0: Hello and welcome to the Scottish clans I'm Clint thank you for joining me for this exciting episode where we're going to talk about the battle of drive sands what a what a action packed story this is and it's not just the battle itself but the lead up to the battle as well that's that's action packed all right before I get too far into things I'm gonna give a shout out to my sponsor USA kilts they have an awesome YouTube channel that I continue to watch, to continue to find uh, content that's useful for me and, and, and interesting. And anyway, so go check out their YouTube channel. The channel itself is called USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. But also go over and check out usakilts.com, their storefront. They sell all sorts of, well, specifically Scottish stuff, USA Kilts. The, the, the business is kind of built around the kilt. But everything that you'd ever need to wear with a kilt, as well as a ton of other stuff, that you might want to be might that you might be interested if you're into Scottish things specifically but also anything Celtic. so go check them out. All right so today to start off, there's a couple of preliminary but but very relevant things that I want to jump into. One is I checked out the ratings on on Apple podcasts and I got a, a new rating on here I wanted to read. This is pretty cool. So it's uh, it's titled so in-depth. And it says, and it's, first of all, it's a five-star review, so thank you for doing that, 9 b Todd. He said, I am amazed at how squared away this podcast is. Now, I'm going to stop reading it right there. Immediately, he said how squared away this podcast is, and I thought, I wonder if this guy's military. <laughs> it's, he's, he says, it's obvious your military background has influenced the thoroughness of the content. So I guess he doesn't say whether he's military or not, but... Um, he used the term squared away and then jumped into my military background. So I'm wondering if this guy is too. Anyway, so back in, so it, back to the, that second sentence. It's obvious your military background has influenced the thoroughness of, of the content. There is more information I, than I even dreamed of finding about my heritage. My grandfather on my mother's side is a Todd, in parentheses, Clan Gordon, and my grandmother is a Campbell. It has been so helpful to piece together the bigger picture, history, Still haven't found much family-specific stories for the Todds or my grandma's Campbell branch, but this podcast has given me an amazing map view of my family. Thank you very much. And so, yeah, so thank you, Todd 9, nine B. Todd, for that review. And uh, there's one more that was April 29th, so it's probably more recent than I've shared any of these with. And it says, interesting to hear that you're... Wife is from the Edwards line. I am as well. It is my grandmother's maiden name. So we got a, somebody listening out there and they left a five-star review. So so that's cool. Um, Jesse Jane 45. Thank you for, for leaving the reviews on there. And I encourage every, anybody, if you like what you're hearing here, please jump on the podcast. If you're listening to the On Apple podcast, hop on there and give me a, if you like it, give me a five-star review and, and a little ver, uh, written feedback there. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Thank you for leaving those reviews, the, the two of you that I mentioned. Now, um, here's so there's a couple other things. One, as we get into this episode and we start talking about the Johnstons, this is a, an interesting moment to point out something that's that we've talked a lot about both in the podcast and on the Facebook group. And that is that so I have Johnstons in my family tree. However, There were Johnstons. The Johnstons of Annandale weren't the only Johnstons in all of Scotland. And I can trace mine back to Fife, and I can't go any farther back than that. And so I I don't know for sure that the border Johnstons that are so famous or infamous, depending on how you're looking at it, I don't know if I connect back in with them. And so... I'm not going to claim that I do that just just uh, by way of example for other people who hey look I've got this last name and I looked up on a list somewhere and it said we're connected with this other clan and so we're part of that clan and we're gonna go all out from there maybe just make sure and and tie it right back into that area of the clan that that list wherever you're reading it says that you're connected to them from so like if you are connected to the grants if you can trace your ancestor with a certain surname that you saw on a list says is connected to the clan grant and you can trace that line back to Strathspey Bay or Glen Morriston, then you probably were. If it doesn't connect anywhere back and it's nowhere even the same part of Scotland, then maybe hold off on that connection just or look at it with a tentative eye because it might develop otherwise. So I, that's a personal example from my own family tree. That I'm going to be, I'm going to hold back on claiming that the Johnstons were of the borders, were my Johnstons, and that I'm connected in with them, and my ancestors were the fearsome border reavers. Um, I do, I do actually have a much stronger connection back into the borders through a uh, name in my family tree, the Glendinnings. But um, it, it, the funny thing is, psychologically, I still. Look at the Johnson's as, oh, we might be connected. I might be tied into them because they're really the line peters out in the mid 1600s, which is well after the borders. That's after the heyday of the border reavers. And so, yeah, if I could get a perfect line connected all the way back, it might tie back in there. But I don't know that for sure. So I'm holding back. That's the point. Hold back until you can get a solid, solid family connection. Don't rely on a list that you found somewhere on the Internet and then go all out and on your connection to that particular clan. There were a lot of Johnston's in different places. There's a lot of Wilsons. There's a lot of Neilsons, so on and so forth. So, just take, just proceed with caution on that. And then um, the other thing I wanted to mention is some interesting feedback I got from a listener. Well, I don't know if they actually end up listening. Yeah, they did. They, they said they got. So this listener is from Scotland, from the if I understand correctly, from the Borders area. And he, he tightened me up on a couple things, which I, I always welcome. So in the last episode, I mentioned like a, I'm not really sold on the credibility of the source because they're talking about Dundee comes from some weird Latin thing. And I said it's more likely it's – and I was – so I said the uh, comes from the Gallic for Fort on the River Dee. And this guy said, hey, the River Dee is nowhere near Dundee. In okay, case so that's where I, oh, I've got okay, yeah, that's right. And I was kind of going off the cuff right there. The most important part of that, though, was the fact that I know that Dun is a very common Gallic prefix that we could use examples all over Gallic speaking areas, meaning a fort, which is way more likely than the weird Latin background they gave for the possible origin of that, of Dundee. And he actually agreed with me on that one. And I actually tried to go back real quick on Facebook and find his name. So I couldn't find it. But if you're out there and you're listening here, I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure I repent. And the River D, thank you for that correction, is not near there. And but he, an interesting thing he did mention is they don't know where that that they said it might be a corruption of the Tay River, but um, they're not really sure about that. Anyway. Just pointing out that the Gallic origin of Dundee is probably – is way more likely than a Latin origin. And then also on Maccus well, I said Max's well, which is exactly what all the sources say. It was Max's well, but if you push the language farther back, it was Maccus, somebody named Maccus's well, and, and it got shortened to Max. And like I, I saw that in the stuff, but I was, was trying to keep it super brief. So the previous correction I needed to make was just – because I went ahead without making notes ahead of time. And this one was just, I didn't give you the whole thing because I'm trying to stay brief. So that was intentional. And it, and the actual, the well that they probably get the name from was not in the same part where from Nithsdale. It what, The well wasn't there. And eventually they got territory over Nithsdale. And that was a separate thing. But I was, I was trying to keep it super brief as far as origins were concerned. But somebody who actually lives in that area, walks those paths reached out said hey here's a couple of things you might want to know so i thought you know what i probably ought to bring that up in the beginning of the next episode so i hope that you're pleased with my uh my, my try to reform that a little bit all right so not wanting to waste too much preliminary time on this just thought there's a couple of points that were relevant to what we're going to get into. So let's jump into it. Now, in doing this, I'm going to read, guys, I know, don't anybody cringe, especially you scholar types out there, but I'm just going to read this straight off the Wikipedia page. And here's why. I traced down different sources for this battle and they were fine, but the Wikipedia article brings the different sources and the different details and the backstory and everything all together rather nicely. And so I'm just going to go with whoever put in the work, To make this article and write this up, I'm just going to go with theirs, okay? So um, there might be a better account of this somewhere out there, but not that I was able to find. So without any further ado, I'm going to start with a part of the background because the backstory is actually really important leading up to the battle, and then we'll read about the battle, and then I'll probably try to wrap it up right after that. And if there's any interesting points about this, this event that needs to be pointed out, and, and discussed, and it creates some maybe a, a springboard for a discussion that's relevant to this podcast and talking about the nature of clans. We'll do that in a follow-up episode. All right, so in 1585, John Maxwell, 8th Lord Maxwell, was declared a rebel for having quarreled with the Earl of Arran, who was a favorite of James VI of Scotland. A commission was therefore given to Johnston, Lord, Lord of Annandale, who was then the warden of the West Marches. Because Maxwell had numerous vassals and friends, it was thought necessary to send two bands of mercenaries to support Johnston. However, these two companies that were commanded by Captains Cranston and Lammy were attacked at Crawford Moor and cut to pieces by a party of Maxwell's who were under the command of Robert Maxwell, natural brother to the chief. He followed up this advantage by burning Johnston's Lockwood Castle. In a subsequent conflict, Johnston himself was defeated and taken prisoner and is said to have died of the grief at the disgrace which he had sustained. Maxwell, who was soon restored in the king's favor and obtained the wardenship of the West Marches. I didn't read that right. Maxwell was soon restored in the king's favor and obtained the wardenship of the West Marches. He subscribed a bond of alliance with Lord James Johnston, son of the slain Lord Johnston, And for some time, the two clans lived in peace. However, the feud was revived in 1593 when Johnston of Wamfrey, and I don't know if I'm Wamfrey, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, who was a relation of Lord Johnston, along with some friends, went to Nithsdale and took away a horse which belonged to Crichton of Sankar. They were pursued by Crichton and some of his friends who took Johnston prisoner and hanged him from a tree. A nephew of Johnston of Wamfrey, William Johnston, managed to escape from the Crichtons and raised a powerful band of Johnstons, again going over to Nithsdale and swept the country of cattle. Crichton of Sanquar and Douglas of Drumlinrig, raising that, what forces they could muster, attacked the Johnstons at a place called Biddesburn but were completely defeated, and the Johnstons carried off the spoil. In this encounter, several Johnstons and 15 Crichtons were killed. The men of Nithsdale resolved that they would apply to Lord Maxwell for assistance and protection. However, Maxwell would not easily embrace their cause because of his recent reconciliation, reconciliation with Johnston. They overcame this by entering into a bond of man-rent with Maxwell and therefore became his followers and liegemen in return he granted to them a bond of maintenance or protection in which he bound himself to maintain them in their feuds some of the most powerful families in Dumfriesshire therefore became vassals of the house of Maxwell including now like i've been doing i'm going to do my best with the names and the place names the names of the people and the place names um, I will Once again, I welcome correction. If you've got a better pronunciation for this because you're from Scotland, you know exactly how it's pronounced. Please, in whatever you're listening to or on the Facebook group, comment, make make the corrections in the comment. So here we go. Here's, here's the men who became vassals of the House of Maxwell. Kirkpatrick of Closeburn Douglas of Drumlinrig, ancestor of the Duke of Queensbury, Crichton of Sanquhar, ancestor of the Earl of Dumfries. Stuart of Castlemilk, Stuart of Garleys, ancestor of the Earl of Galloway, the Murrays, Lord Annandale, Grierson of Lag, Gordon of Lochmaben, and many others in the southwest of Scotland, all binding themselves as the vassals of Maxwell. Johnston was subsequently informed that Crichton, Douglas, and a number of others had put themselves under the protection of Maxwell, and the warfare between the rival clans was instantly renewed. Bacluch, chief of the Scots, who was a near relation of Johnston, came to his assistance with his clan, which not only included the clan Scott, but also the clan Elliot, clan Armstrong, and clan Graham. Johnston, having been reinforced, he surprised and cut to pieces a party of Maxwells who were stationed at Loch Maben. Among the slain was Robert Maxwell, brother of the chief, who had burnt Johnston's castle at Lochwood. The Maxwells had taken refuge in Loch Mabin Church, which they defended for some time until the Johnstons burnt the church and everyone inside it. All right, I'm just going to take a brief pause before we actually get to the account of the battle, and I'm going to give a little more in-depth shout-out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. So right now, I'm looking at their, their YouTube page, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions, and so I'm just going to give you kind of a sample of what they've got available on here. I think it's some really cool stuff. Um, it's it's content that I still consume. I'm not just uh, I anyway. I like I like their stuff. The the one just to show you the breadth of their content. They have one that says the greatest swordsman was Scottish, and so there you're getting to more like history of this of Scotland stuff. Whereas um, another another title that you have on here. Is the 1920s vintage style with kilt. How do you add a Peaky Blinders 1920s feel to your kilt outfit? So these are the these are this is great input from people who know this is what they do, it's what they're passionate about. Go on there and check out some of their content. Scottish culture, history, and actually stuff about wearing kilts. Then the other thing is, and here's something I want to make sure I mention right here, is that Go to their usakilts.com, their storefront. I recently just purchased from them a Welsh Dragon belt buckle for my kilt belt. Now, before some of you flip your lids and like that, you that you can't be mixing that. Yeah, I can. I can do everything I want. It's America and I can do it if I want. I love freedom. But the the cool thing about this I like is hey, while I'm all scottished out with my clothes, I've got I got a little, you know, I'm, I get a little shout out, a little represent from because the Edwardses actually came from Wales, and so, you know, got you can't just you just can't just go with one single line of your family tree. You gotta you gotta spread that love around anyway. And so I just I got it from USAKilts.com. It came in a timely fashion, um, free shipping in the USA as well as the it's it's a it's a good looking, It looks as good in person with me holding it in my hands as it does on the website. So, hey, go there, fit for anything you need, kilt, kilt kilt-related, and a bunch of other stuff that has to do with Scottish culture specifically and Celtic culture more broadly. All right, the battle. Lord Maxwell, highly incensed by this outrage, entered into Annandale with 2,000 men, including all the barons of Nithsdale and also some royal troops. He apparently offered a reward of 10, 10 pounds land to anyone who could bring him Johnston's head or hand the scots were a fierce and warlike clan and dame margaret johnston being a daughter of bucluch okay there's the correction daughter of bucluch 300 scots came to join johnston of lockwood as bucluch made his made, was away they were led by the laird of ellibank they were joined by two of johnston's retainer retainers near lockerby johnston of kirkton who had a large following and johnston of lockerby who had 50 men they were also joined by the Grams from the Debatable Lands, who were apparently always ready to fight the Maxwells. Johnston took the high ground above where the Dryfe joins the Annan. Upon Maxwell's approach, a small body of the Johnstons came forward from the rest and taunted the Maxwells, who were then tempted up the slope. The Johnstons, Scots, and Grams then left the heights and rushed down on their enemies. A desperate conflict took place in which Johnston gained the victory. Lord Maxwell apparently performed, quote-unquote, prodigies of valor, but was among the slain. Many of his followers were also slain. The barons of Lag, Closeburn, and Drumlin at Rig, escaped thanks to their horses. According to Marchbank, 700 Maxwells were killed in the battle. John Pollock, son of the chief of Clan Pollock, was killed supporting the Maxwells. Some who escaped are said to have had, quote-unquote, Lockerbie licks on their faces, caused by being slashed by the swords of pursuing horsemen. However, it is likely that Johnston's losses were also heavy, as in 1594 he obtained a respite from the king for himself and just eight score, meaning 160 surviving followers. Among those killed on Johnston's side was Bell of Albie, who was killed whilst in pursuit of the Maxwells. According to the New Statistical Account of Scotland, the Albie thorn, was planted on the spot where Bell of Albi fell, which was within 500 yards of the church. Okay, the aftermath. Lord Maxwell's cousin, William Maxwell, 5th Lord Harry's of Terrigles. Terrigles? Ah, I'm sorry, I'm butchering that word. Uh, became the next warden of the West Marches. He ignored the respite and tried to capture Johnston's followers. In doing so, he kept the country in a state of confusion. And as a result, the king superseded him as the warden with Johnston himself. Oh, the king superseded him as the warden with Johnston himself. So, Okay, you're not the warden anymore. We're going to put Johnston in. Douglas of Drumlinrig could not forgive the defeat at Drive Sands and on 13 July 1597 attacked Johnston with his assisters but failed to capture two rebel Armstrongs. As a result of this fight, Johnston was deprived of the wardenship but it was given to his ally, Sir John Carmichael. In 1608, Sir James Johnston, now the warden of the marches, met up with John Maxwell, ninth Lord Maxwell, who was the son of the slain warden at Tynwald for the purpose of ending the feud peace, peaceably. However, Maxwell shot Johnston and then fled to the continent. When he returned, he was executed in Edinburgh in 1613 for high treason and for the slaying of the warden of the marches. Between 1591 and 1594, the peace in Scotland was disturbed on several occasions by the activities of Francis Stuart, 5th Earl of Bothwell. This resulted in a serious, serious revolt of the Catholic dissidents in the Northeast. However, with the death of Lord Maxwell, who was a staunch Catholic, at the Battle of Dry Sands in 1593 and the fall of the Northern Earls after the Battle of Glenlivet in 1594, the Catholic cause was destroyed. Okay. So that concludes my reading of the Battle of Dry Sands. And in the interest of keeping these episodes kind of short, I I actually, there was just a few points in there that I wanted to go back into and explore and open up and talk about what they mean as far as understanding clanship. There's some really interesting points in there, but I'm going to save them for the next episode. Also, I know that I said I was only going to do episodes once every other week and work on some YouTube videos. And then I said that right before I got into a... I, an episode on the Drive stands that I, battle of drive stands that I knew I couldn't complete in one episode and had to break it into parts. And I don't want to space episodes that are all on the same subject. They're part of a series. I don't want to have weeks in between those. I just want to pounce it, uh, pounce on it, get it all taken care of. And then I will move into a, a more, um, so you'll have two episodes a month with the intent of putting some, some more YouTube, um, Content out there. I have three episodes or three YouTube videos uploaded already. So if you want to do that, go ahead and check out the Scottish Clans um, YouTube channel. And I have the three videos. And basically, it's just these podcasts with some visual aids thrown in because I know that not everybody has a map of Scotland imprinted in your mind and pictures of castles and cool places where these things took place. So there you have it. That's how we're going to do it. I'll do the follow up episode next week. Hopefully, God willing, the creek don't rise. And until then, Marcin and Drasta. All right, I'm just going to take a brief pause before we actually get to the account of the battle, and I'm going to give a little more in-depth shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. So right now I'm looking at their their YouTube page, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions, and so I'm just going to give you kind of a sample of what they've got available on here. I think it's some really cool stuff. Um, it's it's content that I still consume. I'm not just uh, I, anyway. I like I like their stuff. The the one, just to show you the breadth of their content, they have one that says the greatest swordsman was Scottish, and so there you're getting to more like history of this of Scotland stuff. Whereas um, another another title that you have on here is the 1920s vintage style with kilt. How do you add a Peaky Blinders 1920s feel to your kilt outfit? So these are. The, these are This is great input from people who know this is what they do. It's what they're passionate about. Go on there and check out some of their content, Scottish culture, history, and actually stuff about wearing kilts. Then the other thing is, and here's something I want to make sure I mention right here, is that go to their usakilts.com, their storefront. I recently just purchased from them a Welsh Dragon belt buckle for my kilt belt. Now, before some of you flip your lids and like that, you, that you can't be mixing that. Yeah, I can. I can do everything I want as America and I can do it if I want. I love freedom. But the, the cool thing about this I like is, Hey, while I'm all Scottished out with my clothes, I've got, I've got a little, you know, I'm, I get a little shout out, a little represent from, cause the Edwards actually came from Wales. And so, you know, you can't just you can't just go with one single line of your family tree. You gotta you gotta spread that love around anyway. And so I just I got it from USAKilts.com. It came in a timely fashion, um, free shipping in the USA as well as the it's it's a it's a good look. It looks as good in person with me holding it in my hands as it does on the website. So hey, go there. Fit for anything you need, kilt, kilt related, and a bunch of other stuff that has to do with Scottish culture specifically, and Celtic culture more broadly. All right.